Hey, everybody, this is Matthew with the Jio Nation podcast. I am uh, talking to you from a lobby of the Hotel Yak and Yeti in Kathmandu. Thank you, guys. I have been in Kathmandu for a few days. You, uh, you haven't heard me for a while, but uh, a lot has been happening. I've been traveling around, having headaches and losing headaches, and, and meeting my friend Matt, who came in from uh, Indonesia, and we're going to do a little podcast with him later. But uh, today was a very special day. I got to meet Ronnie Mule for the first time. Ronnie is uh, the South African leader of uh, my expedition up Everest. So uh, we sat down with him and his new wife, Elizabeth, and that was an extremely uh, uh, exciting moment because it's uh, sort of materializing, and seeing him face-to-face kind of puts everything into perspective. And it gives me a little bit of pause and reflection on what I'm about to do, because they have just had an experience with some their previous climb, uh, which was more of a trek to uh, base camp, and a couple of people had some issues, had some problems, which happens on the mountain. It's hard to control all these things. And uh, so hearing that uh, should have given me some... Uh, like a little bit of fear, but no fear at all. As a matter of fact, it made me even more excited to hear uh, just the reality of climbing, you know, everything uh, that happens uh, on the mountain. So uh, as I sat here and talked to Ronnie, we were visited by a woman named Billy. Billy Bierling? Bierling. Uh, okay, well, we'll talk to her in a little bit. She, uh, she has the uh, task, uh, I, th- I believe self-imposed, I think we're going to talk to her and figure it out, of documenting the climbers uh, on the Him- Himalayan uh, mountain chain on the Nepalese side. So uh, she's on the phone right now. As soon as she's done, we'll sit down and and, and delve a little bit into her life. Uh, A little bit of a preface here. What I'd really like to do is go one-on-one with everybody from the team eventually. And uh, we'll do like a summit series of this whole Everest journey. And you'll be able to hear what people that climb Everest are like and what they their goals are and and what their intentions are and what their reasons for climbing Everest because everybody has a different one and uh, and each each is as uh, exciting as the rest so um, we will uh, we'll pause for a second let Billy uh, gather herself and then I'll come on back when she's ready to talk I do have a loud voice okay okay all right, so... Do, do, one, two, one, two, do I sound good? You sound fantastic. Very good. Pleased <laughs> to hear that. Okay, so your name, uh, where are you from, and what brought you to Kathmandu? And when, when did you first come here? Okay, my name's Billy Beerling. I'm from Germany, as a matter of fact, from Bavaria, the Bavarian Alps. And I first came to Nepal in 1998, and I had no idea about trekking or climbing or anything, and I ended up doing like a three-month trek and climb and climb three 6,000-meter peaks uh, with my then-boyfriend, and I was hooked. And then I thought, oh, isn't Nepal nice? So I came back every year. And one year, I met Miss Elizabeth Hawley. Uh-huh. It was in 2002, so that's 14 years ago. So she would have been then 78 years old. Now she's 92. And I met her. She came to interview us because we were climbing an expedition peak in Nepal. And what was her job? Her job was exactly what I'm doing now. She is collecting information on all expeditions to expedition peaks, and there are over 350 in Nepal only. And we, she has a database. 
So in 2002, she came to see us and interview us. And I remember my ex-boyfriend knew everything about the Himalaya. And he was so excited that this lady came to see us. And I thought, who is she? I've never heard of her. <laughs> celebrity. A celebrity, yes. And then in 2004, I know it's a very long-winded story. I thought, I want to come and live in Nepal. So... What am I going to do? I mean, I can't just sit there and try and make it a better place. No. So I wrote Miss Elizabeth Hawley a letter saying, do you need any help with your work? And I thought I was going to do this for one season. Yeah. And Internship. Teams. Exactly. <laughs> that was in 2004, 12 years ago. And I'm still here. There you go. Now, is this a philanthropic philanthropic thing? Philanthropic thing? I mean, are you, are you generating income from it? This is just... You are collecting stories from everybody that, I mean, what's your database? How many people have you spoken to personally? Or oh, my God, I wouldn't probably over the, I mean, if you ask Miss Hawley, who's been doing it since 1963, she probably would say tens of thousands. I've been doing it for 12 years. I would, I would have thought thousands. Um, the database is basically, we collect information on who submitted, uh, who with with oxygen without oxygen when if you didn't summit why didn't you summit and so on and so forth and it's a for me a completely philanthropic exercise i don't get paid a penny but it keeps me busy for about three weeks four weeks every climbing season mm. and it's you know everybody's coming on to Kathmandu in the same time it's it's crazy. And yeah. you see, you know, I'm here in the Yakin Yeti Hotel. I sit over there with Chilians. I see Ronnie. I see Ben. I said, yeah. oh, my God, yeah. I, I've got to grab you. Um, when Miss Hawley first started in 1963, that was when the first big American Everest expedition came. She followed it as a Reuters journalist. She picked them up from the airport. <laughs> and now, you know, now we, we, we have from one expedition to now on both sides of Everest. Probably, I mean, I don't know. Don't ask me. 40, 50, 60 expeditions. And then we do all the other mountains. What is that information used for? I mean, what is the purpose of the gathering? Is it simply to record data or is it that data used in, uh, in, in the government or? No, the government doesn't use it at all. Miss, it, was, it was just Miss Hawley's hobby. Yeah. It was just simply her hobby. She followed the first expedition and then the next one and the next one. And then it grew into the Himalayan database. It was digitalized 12 years ago by a guy called Richard Salisbury in the US. Now it's used by somebody like you, for example, if you wanted to know, hey, would I be the first American on top of Everest? Uh, okay. No, of course you're not. Maybe I'm if not? you wanted oh, no, damn. yeah, I know. Um, if you wanted you just to know, burst am my I bubble. the first video phot photographer on the top of Everest? Yeah. I couldn't tell you because we don't do that. Yeah. But if you wanted to know whether you would be the youngest person on top of Everest, okay. I, could, I can tell you all these things. So, Or uh, mountaineers coming to us and, hey, we want to do a new route on Tulatsi. Which route hasn't been done? Or... Um, can you have a look what Mark Picard did on Annapurna 4 in 1975? So we have the notes. We know his route and so on and so forth. Then you have statisticians, you have journalists who say, hey, I'm writing a story on the first British Everest ascent. Can you tell me how many Brits have died on Everest since? How many women have summited? How many without O's? How many, you know, lost their toes and fingers and whatever? Mm. So it's a huge, huge database, but it's a purely philanthropic exercise and sometimes I mean I love my job because I meet people like Ronnie like you I yeah. get to talk to people I love people but it's 
yeah, it's a lot of work. And I mean, I'm, I'm kind of excited because officially I'm part of your, your database right now. Literally, you took down my information about a half hour ago. Absolutely. And you will be in the database whether you summit or not. Okay. So, you know, I hope you'll summit. <laughs> and if you summit, I hope you'll summit safe. But you will be in the database because we... It, it, See, if somebody wants to know how many percent of the people who try to climb Everest climbed it, yeah. we need to, okay. you know, get every... And if you now get, excuse my language, get the shits in... Yeah. <laughs> okay, get diarrhea in Kathmandu. Uh, <laughs> and you can't even go to base camp because you are wiped out and you're going to go home to the yeah, States. Yeah. Your name st will still be in the database because you attempted to yeah. even though you never made it to base camp. Everybody with the document. Exactly. Okay. Um, so when your boss did the first uh, shoot in the 60s, who was who was climbing then? Was it like, did she know Hillary or anybody? She knew Hillary. She was very close to Hillary. Um, but she wasn't here when he first climbed Everest in 1953 with yeah. Shepard Tenzing Norgay. But then, of course, of her work, she knew Hillary and um, they were very close friends. And, and, you know, some people say this is why she's doing it, because of Hillary, others. I mean, she, if you ask her, and I believe her, she said, I started it as a hobby, and then I just carried on and on and on, and, and, and then it just, you know, turned out to be the database. But Miss Hawley has never climbed a mountain. She has never worn a pair of crampons. She has never even been to Everest Base Camp. And that's where... I differ from her. Yeah, because, because where have you been? I have climbed my first 8,000 meter peak, sadly enough, was, well, I tried Cho you in 2004 and I didn't get up. And then I just thought, that's it. I'm not good at that. <laughs> and then 2009, I climbed Everest. In 2010, I climbed Lhotse and Manaslu. In two, no, 2010, I climbed Manaslu with oxygen. In 2011, I climbed Lhotse and Manaslu again without oxygen. And then in 2013, I climbed Makalu and Nupzi, and I have attempted Broad Peak, Shishapangma, Chouyu, and that's it. So if you stacked up all the meters of climbing that you've done, you'd be, <laughs> you'd, oh you'd be on the moon. I die. <laughs> I'm to the moon. <laughs> I die immediately. I'm not a climber. I'm, you know, I mean, I've, I've done a lot of mountaineering and I've done a lot of, you know, but I'm not, I need the support from people like Ronnie, like, I mean, I've done a lot with Russell Bryce. I need the Sherpas, I need the infrastructure, and I'm very upfront about it. I'm not making myself out to be a great mountaineer. I've got great physical and mental strength, and that's what gets me up these hills. Ronnie already informed me of that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know, and it's not necessarily, I mean, especially Everest, you know, you don't need the tech, well, of course you need to know how to walk on crampons, you need to know Oh, I'm not so sure whether you need to know how to use your ice axe because I was standing on the top of Everest thinking, oh, I didn't even take didn't my ice axe out of my rucksack. It's strapped on my back. And I'm very embarrassed to say that. But all the other 8,000 meter peaks now, I do take out my ice axe because, and do take it out of your rucksack. If anything goes wrong, that's the only way. To you give can, you anchorage. Exactly. Yeah. You, can, you can break. But I mean, of course, with the fixed ropes, it's very tempting just to get about... To, to forget about your mountaineering skills. Yeah. You, know, the, yeah. you know, the few mountaineering skills I have, you forget because you have the fixed ropes. So now when I go back to an 8,000 meter peak, I try to, when it's not so steep, I don't put my Juma in, I just clip in with a carabiner 
and I use my eye sacs. Yeah. Because once the Juma is in, you rely on that Juma, and it, it makes you forget. So yeah. you know, A little bit too too yeah. reliant. Yeah, but then when it gets too steep and I get scared, I put the Juma. <laughs> so when was the last time you climbed Everest? I mean, when was the time you climbed Everest? I climbed on the... I summited 21st of May, 2009. Okay. Everest, and the last time I was standing on top of an 8,000-meter peak was in 2014, and I can't... I think it was the 25th of May, it was on Makalu. And I was just last year, I was in Pakistan to attempt Broad Peak, the 12th highest mountain in the world, but we didn't get up because of the avalanche danger and it was just too hot on the mountain. Can I ask, um, last year, you were already coming off trouble from the previous year, uh, and then nobody obviously knew what was about to happen at that point in time. What were, What are these climbers that have have done it last year. How, what percentage of them do you, have you seen coming back to try this year? That's a very good question. I don't actually know, but I, I mean, I'm, my guess is as good, as good as yours because I don't deal with the government. We don't deal with permits, you know. That's mm. a separate, you know, people always think, oh, what, you know, maybe we should work with the government more closely, but we don't. So I don't know, but I would have thought maybe, I don't know, maybe... 50%? 50% maybe. coming back. Then you have 2014 as well. So you yeah. have the avalanche um, climbers and you have the earthquake. So I don't, I mean, but it's a wild guess. Honestly, I don't know. Did you go to base camp last year? I mean, I, were you? No, I actually, last year was the first year in 12 years that I was not in Kathmandu wow. or at base camp on the 25th. I had left Kathmandu on the 22nd of April wow. to fly back to Germany to go to a wedding from a very good, of a fr very good friend of mine. And I was in Germany and then I heard about the earthquake. It drove me mad. And I just, Yeah, were you sort of guilty that there. you wanted to be there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You feel guilty and you also... But then I also, that's another part of my life. That's where I earn money. I work for Switzerland's humanitarian aid. It's oh. a little bit like your, your USAID. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's, it's part of the Swiss government. So they rang me up and they said, Billy, where are you? And the, the people at work said, oh, God, for once we need you in Kathmandu and you're not. Can you figure yeah. out 24 hours after the earthquake? I never went to my friend's wedding. I was her best uh, woman, but, you know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. you know, prioritize. She had the uh, priorities yeah. and I met her in Nepal, so she understood but yeah, I was very grateful that I could actually come back and do something, yeah. you know. And then I worked, I mean, literally 24-7 for 10 days. And then I flew back to Germany. And then I came back as a private person, I don't know, 10 days later. I'm, uh, I'm cycling around the world on a oh, recumbent trike. Cool. And uh, I was supposed to be here last year. Right. But I got, I got hit by a truck. Oh, my God. I got ran over. Like, In which uh, country? Uh, China. Okay. Just before I was supposed to leave, so I had to cancel my my expedition right. and then postpone it till now. And it was a strange feeling. A lot of people were telling me, "Wow, you were saved from, you know, from having to go through." And a lot of it was guilt. I, I was like, I I kind of wanted to be here. Yeah. Because I felt like I could have at least helped out. You yeah, know? but you but, know that. But there were so many people thinking the same thing. I, I, I would have been in them. And there were some, and, 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 you know, I mean, I was lucky that I could go back or come back with a Swiss and do something. Um, but, you know, there were some people who just got on a plane with a rock and said, oh, I'm going to go to Nepal and help. And yeah. you know what? You know, I mean, I know that's pretty Har frank. More harm than good. It's more harm than good. Yeah. Because you use electricity, you need water, and, Food you know, what are and, you going to yeah. do? There was, and you know, there people come came and they put one brick on top of the other. Hey, 
Nepal has a lot of labor force. Yeah. You know, you don't need Westerners to come. And I, you know, I'm, I'm very, you know, I'm a little bit critical of that. And it's all very well. We all want to help. Yeah. But as you say, sometimes it's more, oh, look what I've done. I've helped. Yeah. And I, you know, and there was also, you know, a lot of stuff on Facebook and, oh, look what I've done. And, and I, I almost felt guilty because I literally, I was stuck in the Swiss embassy for 10 days working so hard, but I was not in the field. I did not hand a tent to anybody. And, yeah. You know, and I looked at it and I almost felt guilty again, you know, and I think everybody does their part, but at the end of the day, you know, the, the, the workforce was here. What the people need, they need maybe, they need know-how, they need, you know, doctors they need a little bit of guidance. Or, mm. But, you know, the odd man in the street, like, like you and I, we put one brick on top of the other. No. Yeah, you know, it's, it's almost a waste. Exactly, so don't feel guilty. Okay, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, and, and today I'm, you know, I'm planning to summit, and it's, it's for me, just like everybody that you talk to, it's like, oh, this has been a dream, other than maybe the climbers that have done it multiple times, and it's more of part of a day's work for some people, right? Yeah, absolutely, you know? absolutely. Uh, exactly I, so. I climbed in Pakistan, uh, Mushitaga, do you know Mushitaga? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. 7,540. Yeah. And wow. uh, Temba, we had a lot, of, a lot of Sherpas from the Everest teams that wow. because of the avalanche, they were looking for work. So just happenstance, I had four amazing Nepalese Sherpas that were helping us up the mountain. And, and today, you know, I'm, I'm hanging out with them and, and I feel like I, I've had a, uh, I've had an opportunity to have a, a contact with a place I've never been. To, I've never yeah. been to Kathmandu before. Ah, okay. so, so it's your first so time. So this is my right. first time. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. No, it's great. Yeah. So yeah. it's exciting. Fantastic. But uh, so where are you headed now? I'm headed now. Well, you know, I'm I'm actually once we're finishing this, I'm going to go over to the phone and find another two guys who are coming from the US, I think, to climb Everest. And um, I can, you know, I know your listeners can't see that, but I will, for your own interest, <laughs> show you how many teams I am supposed to be seeing between now and about the 12th of April. <laughs> okay, okay, let me see. I'm, I'm getting a little bit organized. Okay. Now, today is, okay, that's my Excel sheet. Today is the 30th of March, okay? Now, look at that. <laughs> we have, look at that, look at that, look at that. Boom, 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 boom. Okay, up until. These are all people you have met with? Or, you, no, or this, to, these no, are no, you no, haven't no, filled no. in? Yeah, exactly. The ones that are in bold, I've seen, or okay. I've done stuff online. I'm trying to do more and more by email. We need to change our system. Okay. But at the end of the day, up until the 24th, well, you know, let's say up until the 14th of April, 92 expeditions. Can you wow. tell me how I'm going to do that? So what am I going to do for the next few days? Just like climbing a mountain, one foot in front of the other. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm, and I'm not climbing this season and it's hard because I have been climbing to the, um, what's the good word? To the upset, no, um, of Miss Elizabeth Hawley. She uh. hated me when I go. She oh, really? She's like, you got to stay here. You've got to stay in Kathmandu. But I mean, the fact when I was on Makalu on Everest, you know, all these mountains, I collect the information on the mountain. So much easier. I have them all in one place. I don't have to rush around Kathmandu and breathe the bad air. I can just have everything there. So that's why I'm thinking I may come to base camp. Um, just for a few days and, and see who's there and who's not there and who have I missed. Because when I started working for Miss Hawley and the Himalayan database 12 years ago, I would be so upset if I missed one team. Yeah. Now? Ah, another <laughs> one missed. Okay, I can't. I do my best, but I won't be able to catch everyone. And it's difficult to find people to help us because we don't pay. Miss Hawley can't pay. 
And even though it's it looks very glamorous, this job. Wow, Billy, you're meeting all these great yeah, people. Yeah, adventurers and that. And yes, don't get me wrong. Yeah. It's a huge... I have met, and I said it before, amazing people. I've made such good friends through this job. Sure, sure. Absolutely. Um, but still... The, the workload is so much that people help me for a week and then they say, ah, done. Yeah. So this is a message out to the world. If you want to spend some time in Nepal and do something interesting and meet some cool people, you can do what Billy did Absolutely. all those years ago and uh, meet with her this time and say, I want to give you a hand. Absolutely. Send me an email on <laughs> info at billybeeling.com. So if you want to run around and um, meet some know, really meet amazing some, personalities yeah, yeah, yeah. but do a lot of yeah. work yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, of course thing, of course you know, it's not all of it's all falling exactly. fun games like, oh my god it's so glamorous and then everybody starts and says oh no <laughs> it's a lot of work but anyway but it'll be an amazing thing on a resume yeah it's an amazing true, experience true. so uh if i meet you in base camp if you do decide we'll sit down and have a cup of tea if not then i'll see you uh after i've come down from the top and yeah and good luck to you thank you and think about the mental strength and think about not missing your girlfriend, your favorite restaurant, your favorite food. Focus on the money. I'm having a baby born in July. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, no, you're crazy. <laughs> okay, well, you know, what I'm going to say next, I'm not going to, I don't want on record. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I know what it is. All right, one more thing. Yeah. Uh, my tour around the world, is. I live in China. My tour is called the Jayo World Tour. Jayo is a Chinese word. Ja means add and yo means fuel. And yeah. in China, they say, Jayo, Jayo, add fuel. Yeah. Basically, add that fuel, whatever it might be. Yeah. And mine is travel is my fuel. So Jayo is travel. So yeah. give me a, a Jayo on three. One, two, three. Jayo, what to know? What am I supposed to do? I've, just Jayo, Jayo. It's like hoorah. Jayo. 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 Uh. Hey, I'm going biking in China in Yunnan Province in May. Jayo. Jayo. <laughs> You'll hear that a lot. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're very welcome. <laughs> bye bye. Oh my god. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Uh, Billy is an interesting character, and uh, I'm glad that I was able to talk to her. I don't think that it could have worked out any better. She was here for a moment. And then she's gone, and I was able to speak with her. And to be honest, her her protege, or no, she's a protege, right? So her a boss or ex-boss is, is a legend here, uh, sort of celebrity, and knows everybody. I mean, to 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 know Hillary is uh, is a uh, is a gift. Not a lot of people can say. Uh, as a matter of fact, I am sitting here surrounded by a couple of uh, a group of teenagers. Uh, now, my team leader, Ronnie, had uh, just returned from base camp uh, with 20, 22 kids and their parents. Does that include the parents or 22, uh, 22 people? How many kids? Nine. Yeah. Do you want to talk? Have a seat. No? <laughs> okay. But uh, they actually, uh, what was your name? Dominic. Dominic was Two hours from base camp, and he fell ill. So they had to uh, give him a uh, emergency evac, uh, and uh, he's he's solemnly shaking his head, bummed out. But uh, I mean, to 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 be your age and be able to go even here is pretty phenomenal. You should be proud, you know, that you were able to get up here. I mean, when I was your age, I, I grew up in Detroit, and uh, shit, I don't know, I was playing video games or some shit at your age, you know, so 
to 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 be able to come here and almost make the base camp. What what was the process? You went from here. You took the helicopter or plane to Lukla. You went. What was Lukla Airport like? <laughs> Interesting. A little dangerous. A little afraid. <laughs> With the like when you landed, did the plane like just hit the brakes super super tight? That's funny. And then from Lukla, where'd you go? But thing. Is that a peak? It's just a village. Yeah. All three of you, did you fall ill? Have just you. You didn't have any headaches? Nothing? Yeah. In the morning? Yeah, yeah. Then you could once you get moving, it starts going away. Yeah. It's I was t I was telling these guys, you know, it's like I don't know if you guys have gotten drunk yet. I would imagine so 15, you know, come on. I'm going to answer that question. You don't have to. But, uh, I mean, it's like the worst hangover of your life, you know, the altitude sickness. This this whole hotel is full of amazing personalities, and it's, it's really exciting to be here. It's it's almost like it's like a room full of full of adventurers. This whole this whole country is full of adventurers. Like the whole country runs off of adventures. It's pretty interesting. I'll leave that uh, the way it is, and uh, you'll catch me next time. I'll uh, I'll talk to my uh, my buddy Matt, and you'll hear about his travels around the world. And uh, after that, you'll hear stories from everybody I meet. So take it easy, enjoy life, and jayo. If you're interested in checking out uh, my website, go to jayoe.com. My Facebook is Jayo Life, J A Y O E L I F E. Look me up. Follow me and add fuel to life. Bye.